7, we're, <coughs> we're focusing uh, once again on Isaac, the forgotten or the very little known about patriarch in the book of Genesis. As we said, Abraham has 12, 13 chapters about him. I, Jacob or Israel is going to have 12, 13 chapters about him. Even Joseph, uh, who's not necessarily considered one of the patriarchs in that sense, he has a number of chapters, but then Isaac has about two that describes him. But in that, we've seen a number of things of uh, excellent qualities in his life. But last week we saw that he's, he wasn't a perfect person. Uh, God uses imperfect people, amen? Aren't we glad of that? He wasn't perfect. He had faults and fallacies in his life, but God was still able to use him. Tonight I want to focus on uh, some characteristics about him that I think are neat characteristics, and I'm calling it qualities that lead to a blessed life. You're going to see he, he, he has a blessed life. He, he has such a blessed life that even... Even a heathen, heathen king looks at him and says, you are blessed of the Lord. <laughs> now, whenever a heathen king can look at you and know you've been blessed of the Lord, you have lived and are living a blessed life. I, I hope you realize that God wants all his children to live a blessed life. That shouldn't be the exception. That should be the rule that we're living that blessed life because God is a God who blesses us. And there are certain qualities about Isaac's life that just make me feel like that it leads to, to why he has such a blessed life. And I want to point a, cu- a couple of those out for us tonight. Before I do that, though, I want to remind us of different personalities of people. You know, some people are pessimistic and other people are optimistic. You, you know that? There are some people who are just pessimistic. They were born in the, in the objective case, <laughs> They object to everything, it seems like. You know, it just seemed like the neg- I find something negative all the time. One guy was, he had a friend like that who everything that that friend, everything he did, everything had, that, that friend of his always had something negative to say, some criticism about it. He ne- never was impressed by anything. So he set out that he was going to do something to make his friend be impressed where he couldn't say anything negative. So he decided what he would do is he was going to go he's going to go get him an extra special pet for this guy to meet. So he went to the pet store and told that pet owner, listen, i got this friend of mine. He finds something negative about everything. He's not not impressed with anything. And he said, I'm looking for a pet that will impress him. Well, they showed him a parrot to start with, a parrot, beautiful parrot who could talk and everything. And the guy was kind of impressed by it. He said, but then I said, no, no, my friend will say he doesn't have enough color to him or he, he talks funny with a dialect. He said, no, I can't use that. He said, i got to find something else other than that. He said, he said well, I'll tell you what I got. He said, i got a dog. i got a, a, a pet dog here that he does something no, no other dog can do. He said, what's that? He said, he walks on water. He, he walks on water. He said, well, that's pretty impressive. So he said, I'll take that dog. So he went and got that dog, bought that dog, and he could not wait to go with his friend. Sure enough, he met up his friend, and they were going to go walking together. And he took care of his dog along. Friend kind of noticed the dog and everything. Didn't say much about it. They walked along. They got close to this lake. And he took out a stick and he just threw that out on the lake. And man, that dog just walked out there on the water, picked up that stick and brought him back. He's waiting for his friend to say something, say a thing. So walked a little bit further, took that same stick, threw it out there. That dog walked out on that water, picked up that stick and walked back. Friend didn't say a thing. 
He said, uh, he said, did you did you see my dog? He said, you see that dog? He said, you see what he did? He he said, what do you what do you think about dog? He said, he can't swim. <laughs> so, uh, uh, there's certain people. You, there's certain people just always see the negative side of things, you know. Uh, you probably heard about the pessimist and the optimist. The the guy who was a psychologist had a pessimist child and an optimistic child. They were close to the same age. One was just always optimistic, and one was always pessimistic. And he wanted to do a study on them to find out why in the world they're this way. So. What they did is they took the one who is the pessimist and they put him in a room and he had every toy possible to man, every toy possible in there for him to play with and have fun with. And they shut him up in that room to see what his life would be like. They took the other little boy who's the optimist and they put him in a room and that room was full of horse manure. All it was in the whole room was horse manure. Just put him in there and locked him in there. They left it, let him go for a while and see what would happen. When they came to that little boy with a pessimist, it opened up. He was just crying and crying and crying. They said, why are you crying? He said, because I know these toys are all brand new, and if I touch one of them, it's going to break, and y'all going to get me all in trouble, and y'all going to fuss at me, so I'm not totally pessimistic about things. You know? no, that, that, that's just, that was his attitude in life. One of the little boy, who's the optimist, Went into the room where the horse manure was, and he's just in there, and he's throwing horse manure everywhere. He's just throwing it up in the air, throwing it up in the air. And, and, and they said, what are you doing? He said, well, if, if there's this much horse manure, there must be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so I, I don't know which one you are. I hope you're not the pessimist. I hope you're more the optimist. But I say that to you because Isaac is, is that optimistic person. He really, whenever you read, if you'll take time and think about him and, and what it's going to say in the story, he's the kind of person you'd like to be a friend with. He's the kind of person who kind of sees the, the best of things and, and doesn't seem to be bothered by things that many of us are bothered by, but he, can, he seems to walk through life unscathed by that, that, that optimistic person. And, and what I mean by that, well, in, in his life, you see, the first characteristic you're going to write this down is that he lives a life that has peace with God and with others. That, that's, a great, that's a great quality to have, to have, to have peace with God and with others. Let, let me show you that. It, it, it's there in, in chapter 26, verse 18 and following. You've heard this part of the story where the Philistines come along and they filling up, you remember they're filling up the, the wells that were dug. Listen to what it says in verse 18. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water. And the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, The water is ours. So he named the well Essek, because they contended with him. Then they went further, and they dug another well. And they quarreled over it too, so he named it Sitna. 
And, and look at verse 22. And he moved away from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth, for he said, At last the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. That guy has peace with both other people and with God. Now think about that. You already know he's a blessed person. He has wealth. He has all kinds of people. He has opportunity to do whatever he wants to. But here come these Philistines, and when they dig the well, they fill it. They say it's ours. They filled them all up. And they say it's ours. What would have been your first response? Mine would. I wouldn't have been happy. Would you? But but he doesn't seem to be. He doesn't seem to be affected by that. He doesn't seem to be angry at them. He doesn't seem to fight over that. What did they do? He moved on, and what did he do? He, he dug another well. And when they dug that well, what happened at that time? They came along and they said, what? This is our well, this is our water as well. And once again, did he fuss about it? Did he get frustrated with them? Did he war with them? Did he fight with them? Not at all. It just says he moves on. Notice, matter of fact, one thing that struck me is in verse 22, look what it says. And he moved away from there and dug another well. Boy, those words stuck with me because I don't know if you know this or not, but the last week I've been moving. <laughs> moving, I don't know if, you've, if you remember this. How long has it been since you moved? But moving is hard, you know. You, you, you can't ever get it all there. And moving is hard. I, it wouldn't have made me real happy if I'd have dug the well, got ready there, thought I was settled, and somebody came along who didn't dig the well and said, this is ours, and it caused me to have to move away somewhere else. But you know what Isaac does? He just moves away somewhere else. He moves away somewhere else. And this time he digs the well, and when he digs the well, they don't bother him. And so what does he have? He has a place to stay, a place to live. He has an attitude that he's going to be at peace with these other people. No matter what they did with him, no matter how they would have frustrated him, no matter how they're trying to get in his way, he just did not let it bother him. He was at peace with other people. Now, isn't that what the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans? It tells us, Romans chapter 8, it tells us, as far as it concerns you, be at peace with all men. As far as it concerns you, be at peace with That's not always easy to do. Sometimes people can rub you wrong, can't they? Sometimes they can tax your nerves a little bit. Sometimes they step on your toes and sometimes they step on your heart. But what are you supposed to do? Be at peace with all men. Isaac is a wonderful example of that. He doesn't battle them. He doesn't war against them. I guess if they had kept taking and saying, this is mine, this is mine, I guess he would have just kept on moving and kept on moving and kept on moving until finally there was a place. He had peace with others, but he also had peace with God. I want you to notice the, this, this part of this verse because it's very important. Look what it says in verse 22. Whenever they did not quarrel over it, this is what he said, at last the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. You know who else he had peace with? With God. He had peace with God. Now, I know most of us are too spiritual to, to be honest enough to say, have you ever be, gotten frustrated with God? 
Have you ever gotten frustrated with the, the path that God has caused you to walk? Are, are the, the rough times that you've had to go through? Are the difficult? I mean, God's God. He's supposed to be taking care of us, isn't he? He's supposed to be making a way for us. Life's supposed to be easy, isn't it? Not necessarily. And whenever things aren't that way and we try something and, boy, we get the door slammed in our face and we try something else and that door gets slammed in our face and what we want to do, that's not what's happening. Before long, if we're not careful, we can, we can get angry with God or, or disappointed with God to the point of saying, where are you? What are you doing? Why is this happening to me? It's a challenge. But not Isaac. You hear his words, Lord, help me to be like this. Well, at last the Lord has made room for us. At last he's made, we, we, we finally found the place where we're going to be able to stay, we're going to be able to be fruitful, we're going to be able to live. We finally found a place. The Lord has a place for us. He wasn't upset with others and he wasn't upset with the Lord. Even though many people would have had opportunity to be that way. So I, I, my, my opinion is this, if, if you're going to live a blessed life, a, a good quality of your blessed life is to, is to try to live at peace with others and, and try to live at, at peace with God, no matter what your pathway is, no matter what happens in relationship to that. Isaac is a wonderful example of that. I want you to see how God feels about that. Whenever he says in verse 22, at last the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in this land, look what happens next. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, look at verse 24, and the Lord appeared to him when? When, when did the Lord appear to him? That very same night. That very same night of what? When he said, praise God, the Lord has found a place for us. <laughs> At last we found a place where we're going to be fruitful. At last, his response, his response brings about God's response to Isaac. I mean, what better response could there be to a, to a man than to have God show up? Isn't that what it says? It says, God, the Lord, appeared to him that very same night. So in other words, if, if we could find it in us by His Spirit that we would respond appropriately to things that happen and, and that we would not be angry with others and have peace with others, have peace with God, and live this life that's, that like Isaac's living, the Lord may appear to us. He did to Isaac. He shows up. He responds to Isaac. And, and when, he, when He responds... Notice what he does. Here's the first thing. He says, he appeared to him, and the first thing he says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham. Here it is. Do not be afraid, I am with you. First thing he did after appearing, he says, I'm going to assure you that I'm going to take care of you. You don't ever have to be afraid. I'm going to take care of you, and I'm always going to be with you. It's a pretty good promise, amen? Same promise he made to us. He said when the Holy Spirit came in our life, he'd be there how long? Forever. 
He tells him, listen, I'm here with you, and you don't ever have to be afraid. I'm going to assure you of that. Here's the second thing he did to him. He also gives to him that promise. Listen to what the promise is. And I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So whenever he's responded in that way and he's at peace with God and at peace with others, the Lord shows up. When the Lord shows up, he assures him of his protection, of his safety, and no need to fear. And then he turns around and says, and by the way, all the things that I promised you, all those things I promised to Abraham, all those things that I said I would do, I'm going to bless you with that. I'm going to bless you with that. Uh, my, the longing of my heart would be, Lord, help, help me to live in such a way to be at peace with others, to be at peace with you, to accept what's happened in my life so that you just show up. <laughs> You'd appear to me and speak to my heart where I am. Speak to my heart what I need. Speak to my heart the promise that you would make for me, that you would respond to me. Well, then you have Isaac's response, Isaac's response to the Lord. It's found in verse 25. What did Isaac do? Here it is. So Isaac built an altar there. Now, he's not the first one to build an altar, but he followed the example of his dad. His dad built altars in numbers of places. What, what did the altar, what is an altar, what did it represent at that time? It wasn't really the, an altar of sacrifice as much other than Abraham offering on that, Isaac, whenever he was supposed to do that. But an altar was a place that designated and set aside as a place where somebody met with God. Somebody is spending time with God. That it's, it's that special, unique place. And what he did, he said, whenever he, the Lord appeared to him, his response is, I'm going to set aside this place as a place where I met with God. And God came to me and he gave me the promise. God came to me and gave me the assurance. His response was to build an altar. But that's not all. What it said else in verse 25. So he built an altar there. Second thing is, and he called upon the name of the Lord. He called upon the name of the Lord. That, that means just to a number of things. One, it means to express love towards him, towards the Lord. But it also is to know him in a personal way. He knows who this God is. This is not one of many gods. This is the one true God. And he calls upon him the God of his father, Abraham. The God that Abraham has taught him about. The God who has blessed him. The God who protects him. The God who has appeared to him. And he says he calls him by name. What did he do? He built an altar, he called the Lord by name, and what else it said? And he pitched his tent there. He pitched his tent there in this place called Beersheba. He's going to pitch his tent. He's going to spend his time there. So God's response to him was to appear to him, to assure him, and to also promise to him his response, build an altar, call upon the name, and pitch my tent here. And then through all of that, the end result is he's going to be and live a blessed life. The Lord is going to bless him, and he does. Look what happens next in this story. That's when Abimelech, that king, remember Abimelech's the king of that area. Abimelech came to him from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuzath, and Phicol, the commander of his army. 
And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? Now listen to what it says. Here's, you need to underline this phrase. And they said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. What did, what did that old heathen king say? We see plainly that not a God, but the Lord, the God, the one true God, that the Lord has been with you. Boy, I would say that's a blessed life. What do you think? I'd say a blessed life is a life where you would recognize that the Lord is with you. And somebody else sees that the Lord is with you. And his presence is recognized. And, and this old heathen king says, I recognize, we all recognize, we can all see that the Lord is with you. What happens next? Verse 29. We're going to make a covenant with you so that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent away, sent you away in peace. Now underline this phrase. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Who wants to sign up for that? <laughs> you are now the blessed of the Lord. We see that. We know that. We've watched it happen from a distance. We have seen how God has blessed. You are the blessed of the Lord. That man has lived such a life and God is able to pour into him so much blessings. He's multiplied his herds. He's increased his wealth. He's done all of those things. He is living a blessed life. Partly because he lives at peace with others and lives at peace with God. He's not going to let anything, any obstacle along the way hinder that relationship that he has with others or that relationship that he has with God. And whenever it doesn't hinder that, it opens the doors and opens the windows of heaven where God can pour out a blessing. He pours out a blessing upon the life of this man to the point that not, he doesn't, he's not the one that says, I'm blessed. But someone looking from the outside says, you are blessed. Not blessed by others, blessed of the Lord. The Lord has blessed you. So if I'm, if I'm going to sign up, I want to sign up under that place where Isaac's name is. I, I, I want to sign up under that place that says, Lord, help me to live like this man lived. Help me to respond to things like this man responded to. Help me to be where you can appear to me and you can assure me and you give me promises in the word. Help me, Lord, to build an altar, call upon your name. Help me, Lord, to pitch my tent right where you are and above everything else that when people would see and see our lives that they would know that we are blessed. It's not what we've done. It's what he's done. It's what he's done. And, and, and they want to make a covenant with him because they said, he's so blessed to the Lord, we want to be on his side. Amen? We, we want to be on his side. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? You ever, you ever thought about that 
the Lord might want to use you and might want to bless you in such a way that the people around you, the people around you, wait a minute, maybe you don't have a heathen king who's watching you, but you might have a work associate. You might have somebody in a class. You might have somebody in your neighborhood. You might have a friend. Have you ever thought that, that it would be wonderful that our lives could be in such a way that, that they would see that we're blessed of the Lord? That we're blessed of the Lord? And that they would have a desire, they would have a desire most of all to have a relationship with the God who blessed us that he might bless them. One step towards that, be at peace with all people, amen? <laughs> and be at peace with God. When you're at peace with all people and you're at peace with God, it opens up your heart, opens up your life for the blessings to come, for God to work, for God to move. Don't ever let there be an obstacle in your life. Don't let ever anger, frustration, lack of patience, and all those kind of things create an obstacle in your life where you miss out on a blessing. Because it might not be so much the blessing for you as it is the blessing that somebody else sees in you that draws them to the one who's the blesser. Amen? Father, I pray that you would help us to have a spirit like Isaac. He's not a perfect man, but he's a good man. He has some qualities, Lord, that we certainly need. Because in our lives, we, get, we can get frustrated about people, and we can get frustrated over circumstances, and we can get frustrated even with you, Lord, whenever, whenever things don't happen the way we want them to happen or in the timing that we want them to happen. And, and we can get all crossed up and lose our, lose our peace peace with you and peace with others, which in turn shuts down, shuts down our life from being blessed. We want to be blessed. Not just for the blessing's sake, but to be a testimony to others that we meet. That we serve a God who is a God who blesses. Who reaches down and touches us and does beyond what we could ever imagine. And if they can have a relationship with that same God, Help us to be that example, to live that way. Open the windows of heaven, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.